I'm in the moment, but I'm also not in the moment because I can, I could see like these traumatic memories and stuff as if they were right there. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty scary, especially mm-hmm. if you don't know what's really going on. Be kind. Be kind to people. That's you so never cool. know what someone else is going through. So just always try and be kind to them because they also might not know what you're going through. It's not really people's business. Like, it's not really affecting other people. I feel like a huge thing when it comes to like, gender and sexuality is there are these people who are policing it all when it's really not affecting them. Hello and welcome back to the Bigger Picture Podcast. I am your host, Shannon Zhao, and today I am very lucky to be joined with Peyton. How's it going? Welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me. Of course. So what was the reason for the med leave? That was mental health stuff. Like I had I had like three or four undiagnosed mental illnesses. So oh, really? that's pretty difficult to be going on with without being treated for. Like, I mean, it's not that, not that necessarily for everyone having mm. it diagnosed is what's very, uh, what's like the big thing. But for me, having it diagnosed was kind of like more validating in a way of being like, okay, here's an issue. This is an actual thing. Like I have one of the biggest things that was going on is I have PTSD mm. that was going untreated. Mm. And I, I was, I had the very... A stereotypical understanding of PTSD as I haven't been a soldier who's gone to war, so why would I have PTSD? Mm-hmm. But that PTSD is just trauma in general. You can experience trauma even if you don't go to war mm-hmm. or whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I got help with that. And yeah, that's very interesting that you brought up this point about PTSD. Do you know what triggered it? Do you, did you find out like? Because you did take a lot of time out and spend a lot of time in, in therapy and treatment. Do, yeah. do you know what caused this PTSD? Or? Um, well, multiple things over time. One of the things uh, was in eighth grade, I went on med leave uh, mm. for just for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was kind of traumatizing because, I mean, I had to like go to this uh what's it called this like psych place the mm-hmm. psych hosp- hospital this, yeah, yeah this psychiatric hospital mm-hmm. which was almost two hours away from my house i think mm-hmm. and so it was very isolating and just very yeah and i had to spend the night in an er and all that stuff at a pretty that's a pretty young relatively young age to do all that stuff mm-hmm. and i think that's what i needed to do at the time and also it ended up just being a traumatic experience that has stayed with me mm. so so that so do, so you think that's sort of like the where the source of psm and what was the other three mental health issues that you were talking about well i have Depression, of mm. anxiety, just like generalized anxiety, PTSD, and OCD. Those are my main ones. And I really, I really was just being treated for depression 
I'd say a little bit for anxiety as well, but really just for depression. Um, mm. And wh- when did you, so you, you mentioned you had to go to this mental health place or go on med leave in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. So this d- definitely has been an issue for a while. Like, mm-hmm. What do you, is, is it chronic and what has, have you sort of discovered like the source of it and then what the cause, of, what the root of it is yet or you're still figuring that out? Or? Yeah, well, there's, with mental health generally, it's, there's a whole idea of external factors and internal factors. Okay. So for internal, it's like genetics, biological, stuff like that because mm-hmm. lots of mental illnesses are hereditary Mm -hmm. and so i at so in the beginning we thought it was just more around internal factors Mm -hmm. because i mean i like externally have a really good life very Mm -hmm. very fortunate very happy great supporting family which Mm -hmm. i still have and Mm -hmm. great friends you Mm know so and because so it's it was more of a biological aspect that was being looked at and really treated for. Mm-hmm. And so it was more centered around medication, stuff like that, to just fix what's going on in the brain. And mm-hmm. then later on with uh, stuff with gender coming up more and more, mm-hmm. uh, I think that really was the external force mm-hmm. that made it even worse. And so I needed to have more therapy and learn more skills around how to work with how frustrating the world is Mm -hmm. so like coping mechanisms uh, deal deal with it so you would say it's a it's both that you have hereditary and and that and how how is it what is the experience like um what were you feeling like before you went on med leave in school you share like the some stories from from that time or also like the experience for which year like oh last year <laughs> yeah we can start with last year and we can okay. also go to the eighth grade later too okay um well last year last year was difficult because i was both so happy and so just unhappy at the same time mm. um mostly because i was I was being worn very thin because I had just so much going on and it was my first year here and I was playing varsity sport. I had like these difficult classes I was taking. I was getting like four hours of sleep a night. It Mm. was very difficult Mm -hmm. and that's not good on your mental health Mm -hmm. and your health just in general. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I was having PTSD episodes, which for me are like Mm. involve hallucinations and stuff. So Mm. it's like I'm in the moment, but I'm also not in the moment because I can it's like looking through like stained glass like you can see the color of the glass but you can also see beyond it and see that there's like stuff outside so I could see the moment but also I could see like these traumatic memories and stuff as if they were right there Mm -hmm. and so that's pretty scary especially Mm -hmm. if you don't know what's really going on Mm -hmm. 
And I thought it was just simply, oh my, like I'm just anxious and stuff and tired. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but so at that point, you still haven't fully diagnosed for all these. No, no. So you thought it was normal, but what was the point that you realized that nope, this is it? Or, well, I mean. I didn't want to leave school. Yeah. <laughs> the school's kind of like, you need to... I'm, I'm grateful that this happened, and I'm grateful they did it. I was not happy in the moment. I will say that. I was mm. a little frustrated. Mm. But it really... They've been really great, and they really helped me out with saying, like, hey, you need to just go and get some help because, like, this... you You're going through some stuff that needs to be sorted out and Mm -hmm. like being at school right now being in a boarding school isn't especially because I for for the pandemic and stuff like I'd been doing online school for like hi Chris Farrow I've been doing online school for, like, over a year. Like, I did end of eighth grade, and then all of freshman year was online school. Mm -hmm. And so going from being like that to then, all of a sudden, you're in a boarding school where you're constantly surrounded by people, Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm an introvert, so that's very exhausting. yeah. 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 So they were like, okay... You did three months, you know, you, there's other stuff going on here as well. Just go to some sort of program and learn some skills to help you be able to be in this environment. Mm -hmm. Because I really, I love NMH and I was really happy that I came here, Mm -hmm. but it just wasn't completely working out how it could have been. Yeah. No, definitely, because I do remember um, first meeting you last year, and you seemed so happy and positive, and, you know, you, you the friends, the friend group last year was really nice, you, you know, there were, like, Anna was there, mm-hmm. like, Chelsea, like, all these people were all, you know, at, at I mean, at the start of school year, and then, you, you know, you, you, you were very happy, every time I see you, you know, you always have a big smile with you, and yeah. you're really positive, and then, so I was kind of surprised when you went went on this med leave and I I can understand how you didn't want to leave school because school is you know it it was a great experience for you Mm -hmm. but then was so was it that you went to health center a lot and then they just decided made the decision for you or no I like uh I kind of became so I did go to the health center a decent amount. And part of it, actually, we realized was because the time that I was taking my antidepressants didn't work out. Like, it was it was dipping at, like, afternoon time. So we needed to change the time that I took those. So hmm. that was something that was figured out based on <laughs> when I would frequently go to the health center because mm. my mental health was just mm. going kaput. But then also... So it's still consistently... So it's like a consistent time of the day that you know your mental health would. Yeah, they like, they, because there's like records and stuff, they mm-hmm. kind of realized, hey, you take your antidepressants at night, right? Well, normally they're taken in the morning because then 
it's not like they're at their strongest point while you're unconscious and asleep. Mm. So, yeah, I started taking them in the morning, and then I wasn't going to the health center as much in the afternoon because it, they were staying strong for longer, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. But then what happened then? Then I kind of got to a point with my PTSD where it just got really, really just way too bad and serious. I had like a PTSD episode in class, Mm. which it was a really bad one. And I think I scared a lot of people. I had a few friends in the class who were like, yeah, no clue what was going on. It was kind of freaky um, because... So what was happening? Were you sort of just... Were you, did you like jump out of your chair? Or? No, I was, I was kind of just... Like my friend said, like I was like kind of just sitting there like shaking and like they were trying to talk to me, but I was kind of like unresponsive. You were unconscious, okay. No, I wasn't unconscious. I was just unresponsive because I was, like, reliving and in the moment of these traumatic experiences from my past. So it wasn't Mm. like I was exactly in the moment Mm because it was a really bad one. Um, Mm -hmm. And you couldn't, at that time, you couldn't hear anything? You, You couldn't? No, it was, like, when you're trying to, like, hear someone talking to you while you're, like, underwater or something. Like, it's very, very oh. difficult to hear. Interesting. I've I've never had those experiences before. I mean, how does that feel for you? It's very scary, scary. and stressful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that must be horrible. And then that, so that was sort of like a, you know, tipping point where yeah. you, you start to realize that maybe you had to make a change too. Yeah. Because I also realized I didn't know how to work with that. I didn't know how to like fix that or not, not fix necessarily, but just be able to live with it in a sense or help mm-hmm. myself to not get to that point. Because mm-hmm. with like more stress, it's easier and more susceptible to having PTSD episodes and school can be stressful like stress is unavoidable mm-hmm. so yeah just being able to get skills to work with that so you did mention how when you were in your med leave you did learn a lot of these important yeah. skills so what skills did you say that you um learned what are like some base skills that you learned well i did dbt which is dialectical behavioral therapy mm-hmm. most therapy that? that's talked about is like cbt which is cognitive behavioral therapy okay but um and that's kind of like dbt is more about um like emotion regulation and external stuff it's often used for people who have bipolar disorder or bpd Stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. major depressive disorder, PTSD, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it really is centered around, okay, like interpersonal relationships, mm-hmm. um, like just being able to live with external forces and mm-hmm. external situations. So I'd say a big, also a big thing is mm-hmm. just one of my most used skills i would say is stating the facts which is where you kind of step back and you're like okay i'm 
thinking all these worries and saying all this stuff to myself, but let's like state the facts of the situation, like what's actually going on. So if I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to, I'm like failing this class, I'm doing so terribly, blah, 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 like then I'll be like, okay, but I'm not actually failing this class. I got one bad grade. I worked hard. I can learn from these mistakes and keep going and do better. Like the learning process isn't always just right uphill. Like it's bumpier, you know, that's just how it's supposed to look. So Mm, no, that's definitely true because when you are in those emotional moments, you Mm. are not very conscious with your dialogue, inner dialogue and, you you would definitely be your words would definitely be very emotionally manipulated and you would think very extremely mm-hmm. negatively but then it's not true and I, yeah. I, I think that's definitely relatable experience for a lot of people and yeah it's s- like the emotional mind speaking so, so it has yeah. mindfulness in it yeah definitely and i mean that's how we met with the mindfulness yeah, group, yeah. um which then i became too depressed to go to <laughs> sorry <laughs> about that oh no it's all good um, but I want to understand a little more about this DBT. So you did mention how it's different than um, CBT. What do you think the major difference is, and how 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 were you being treated? Like, what was what was the daily treatment process like for you? Well, it was a partial patient program. So, mm-hmm. which means, so inpatient program, you live there, um, but partial patient is. Like, you go in for the day, and it's like instead of, it's like a school day, but you go in, you have classes, that, and they teach you skills and all that stuff, and then you go home, and then you come back, and you do that. I, I did that for five weeks, technically four weeks, but each week was short, so then I did five weeks. Mm. Like, each week a holiday or something ended Mm. up coming up. So Mm. it'd be like one less day. Um, I just was because I was there around like Christmas time and New Mm -hmm. Year's and stuff. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. So um, what, what other, so how, so how is the daily process of treatment like? Um, Well, there'd be different classes where it would specify in a different thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of like the good, the specific names they used for them. There, oh, it's fine if you. There's can't. like a mindfulness class. Okay. There and there's like a worksheets and stuff, and you would share what you wanted to share and like just practice being vulnerable because that's important, mm-hmm. especially with treatment mm-hmm. processes, mm-hmm. and it was. It was a small group of people who were like anywhere from 13 to 21, I think, was the mm-hmm. age range. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then what do you do in class? You Do, do you talk about, do, is there like a teacher that teaches you about like skills and how to deal with these? Do you still have like a therapist that you would talk to or? Yeah, yeah. So you have a. You had a therapist there, mm. and so you talk to them, mm-hmm. and you also would have, um, like in class, like you'd have homework and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And so you'd be able to work on things outside of the program, I mm-hmm. guess. And often it was stuff that it was like, okay, um, like exposure therapy. Mm-hmm. You'd set a goal to expose yourself to something that just really is like very anxiety inducing or can tr- be very triggering or something like that. Like mm-hmm. lots of people uh, being, lots of people being in a very loud or overwhelming place that can be difficult. That can sometimes be difficult for me. So just maybe going to a loud and overwhelming place and being able to be there and I mean, you'd you'd make a plan to take small steps to get there. Mm-hmm. It's not like you would just necessarily throw yourself in, mm-hmm. but maybe just go f- and be in a loud place for like five minutes, leave, mm-hmm. and then maybe go back again and stay for longer and stuff like that. Maybe so like, yeah, yeah, progressive overload. Yeah, exactly. Sense. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's like you that's build up to you. be able to like you're exposing yourself to it. That's exposure and therapy. Exposure uh, therapy, right? Yeah. And then also, so you were at the time you're talking to also like psychiatrists, I would mm-hmm. assume, and they um, were you were you sort of talking to them, and they were helping you to figure out like what what were your mental health issues and and uh, mm-hmm. how what caused it in some sense. Yeah, yeah, so that's been more of an ongoing process, Mm. but yeah, I talked with psychologists and a psychiatrist um, Mm. about, like, meds and, Mm -hmm. because med adjustments are also something to look into Mm -hmm. if you're having difficulty, Mm. Uh, so, like, okay, is this working for you should the dose be higher should we introduce something else Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. uh yeah and so i i kind of want to ask more about like coping skills with depression Mm -hmm. because i feel like it could be an experience that people might it also goes similar to and Mm -hmm. and you've definitely spent all these time you know learning and all Mm -hmm. that so what do you think are the most well, important skills that you have developed and like if you face another depressive episode what would you do i'd say one of the biggest things would be opposite action mm. so when i'm depressed i often want to just like isolate you know mm-hmm. and just be very just like be in my bed just in the mm. dark doing nothing Mm -hmm. Uh, but then kind of recognizing so mindfulness is involved in this recognizing okay but that's not going if that's not really going to help out the situation like maybe go and hang out with a friend and be surrounded by people Mm -hmm. and just because that can be very helpful so often like, that that could be scary too at some time. Yeah, right? it can be scary. So often I like I wouldn't go to like the dining hall when it's very crowded and chaotic and overwhelming because that's just the complete opposite of what I'd want to do. Like so maybe if that would be like too much and that would be making it worse, then I'd 
like see if I could hang out with a friend one-on-one and just maybe just talk or just watch TV together or do mm-hmm. homework or whatever. So at least I'm not by myself completely and I am having like human interaction. So that can be helpful. So opposite action in some sense is to res- still resist the urge of mm-hmm. to isolate. Mm-hmm. It's and like resisting the urge to do something that is kind of just feeding into an unhelpful thing, like something where if you're depressed and you really want to do something, then just trying to do the opposite of that, or at least something that, yeah, the opposite of that, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, because w- one thing with depression or I don't know if it's generalization, but a lot of times depression or depressive episodes could become caused by isolation and mm-hmm. isolation is directly is, is directly correlated, proven by so many studies as one of the biggest cause of mm-hmm. um, depressive or depression or sadness. And, um, and yeah. And at that time, you know, we, when you feel that depressive episode, you feel the urge of not even to socialize. So, but mm-hmm. actually you're making yourself feel worse yeah. and that could spiral negatively. Yeah. Cause we're social creatures. So like if you go, okay, I'm going to just go and stay in my room and then that easily can become, Oh, like the next day, Oh, I'm just going to do the same thing. That was fine. And then it just continues and continues. And before you know it, you're just, not going out anymore and Mm -hmm. really socializing at all and you're just very you're even more depressed and things can get much worse very quickly Mm -hmm. yeah and it's just like a negative cycle Mm -hmm. downwards um Mm -hmm. and so sort of how did your parents help you with this process would you say my parents were really great part Mm -hmm. of the program was like a parent session which they took part in they they always went and they would just inform parents of ways that they can help out because Mm. often, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak from personal experience, (laughs) but often parents can try and just fix a problem for their kid and just be like, okay, here, let's, let's solve it. And that that can be very unhelpful. Mm. Like, often it's more like you want someone to listen Mm -hmm. instead of just problem solve. And Mm -hmm. so with emotions and stuff, that can be a big thing. So Mm -hmm. if you're, you say, Oh, I'm just, I'm just very sad today, you know, not doing so well. Okay. Well, here are things we could do instead, like just listening and kind of being there, but also trying to help out. So that Mm -hmm. was a big part of what was, taught in parent sessions mm. i think that's, but, that's yeah a very my parents are lesson. very no yeah supportive. yeah yeah definitely first of all i feel like your parents are definitely very very kind people and yeah oh to, yeah to you've help met you. them yeah yeah i've met them and also um oh was was your birthday my birthday yes it and was. also you met them last year too parents day hmm i don't 
I'm trying to recall, but I it's, it's, okay. it's it's been a while. But anyways, um, no, yeah, because definitely they've definitely shown a lot of support and mm-hmm. and that. And I kind of want to sort of shift gears a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, right now to talk about yeah. sort of your um or big dis- not big decision, but like big discovery that you sort of decided to um or found out that you want to become trans in in, mm-hmm. in the process. So how is that process like? Well, again, I'm very fortunate to have such a loving family Mm -hmm. um my older sister is also very very supportive and i love her so much she's amazing and so they've really helped with everything and they've they've always they've always been pretty good about just saying like we love you like no factor can really change that mm-hmm. kind of unconditional love, that type mm-hmm. of thing. And so I'm very fortunate for that. And they also are people who are very big with educating themselves if themselves to always be able to become better parents. Like my mom's a teacher, so she's very big with mm-hmm. reading books and how to help your your trans kid i've seen lots of those books around Mm -hmm. the house and so they were very helpful in that sense and then in terms of kind of putting it all together just with how i needed to during during my mental health leave or medical leave Mm -hmm. uh i really needed to look at myself and really see okay why is all this happening? Why is my mental health really like this? Because this this can't be all internal factors, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's just too much for that. And also, yeah. I had um, I had therapists asking me, uh, like, at, like, at the... The summer before I even the summer before I started school here last year, mm-hmm. they were like, "Oh, um, do you have any thoughts circulating about your gender and stuff?" So there were <laughs> some like people who knew before me, I guess yeah. you could say, <laughs> kind of tried to be like, "Hey," but I just was very I'm very good with denial. I'm it's a talent, you know. <laughs> I'm very good with suppressing that stuff. So. That was something I kind of did for a while, and then eventually it was kind of like, okay, you can't, you can't do that anymore. You have to actually confront this and be able to just, I don't, I don't know, because just with how society is, you're kind of, even if you are an ally and even if you are well-educated and everything, how society works you're kind of taught to be a little bit transphobic in some Mm -hmm. ways even trans people Mm -hmm. so that's kind of part of the process of just coming to terms with realizing oh yeah i am trans like Mm -hmm. it's kind of a at least for me it was kind of a oh well that's an inconvenience Mm -hmm. (laughs) because because like not that that kind of sounds bad, but it's just mm-hmm. like I'd rather have been born cisgender. Like that's yeah, much more convenient. That's yeah, yeah, less oppression in that. Definitely, I I think that makes a lot of sense, um, because 
yeah, with society and society mm-hmm. and, and with everything, you know, maybe you didn't want to be, be like you didn't, you, there are, maybe your heart is telling you something, mm-hmm. but you don't want it because you know that maybe the result isn't going to be like as good because, yeah. you know, with the, all the societal pressure and mm-hmm. with everything, but you 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 so you had this so definitely this has been like an ongoing conversation in your mm-hmm. mind i would speculate right mm-hmm. and it would come up and you know the maybe like your rational side of your brain would tell uh, no we can't <laughs> yeah. that, that's that's not me <laughs> but then yeah. you know that keeps coming keeps coming keeps coming so it sort of comes up to a point where you decide made a decision right mm-hmm. to sort of to, to to openly face it and acknowledge it. Is, yeah. is that is that did i like describe your mental process right or yeah tell me if yeah. i'm wrong, though, no I no I'm yeah guessing, I, yeah that it was like that like another factor is that i'm i'm always pretty just worried that i'm an inconvenience to people so the idea mm-hmm. that i'm that me like changing pronouns like oh i don't want to ruffle any feathers or make it difficult for people you know mm-hmm. especially with any family or friends or people just in general in the world who don't necessarily understand that stuff uh Mm -hmm. i don't want to like upset them or anything like that or take up too much space would you think that could be a challenge too because you're such a you know nice person and would that would that (laughs) would that be a challenge in some sense that you 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 know that once you made this decision to to openly acknowledge mm-hmm. this fact or like mm-hmm. change your pronoun and what like the impact it would have on yeah like just because people that was just a big difficulty for me because i people of course if you have been using pronouns certain pronouns for someone for what 15 16 years of their life mm. that that's going to be a habit so of course you're not snap of the fingers automatically going to be able to use these other pronouns for them correctly right away like it's mm. it's a habit that needs to be broken but lots of times when it's being broken and if someone slips up which of course will happen they're like oh my gosh oh no i'm so sorry and Mm -hmm. make a big deal about it which i mean i appreciate that you're sorry but also that's just causing more attention for it so that was like more of a that was that was more of a bigger difficulty Mm -hmm. or that has been a bigger difficulty and also the fact that Often, if someone does misgender me, I find myself not correcting them because <laughs> I still tru- have trouble with feeling like, oh, I'm an inconvenience. Or even if it's just like, oh, I don't want to bring attention to myself with that type of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And what and what was the mental process? Um, so how how is that day or that specific moment when you finally decided to come out? You know. Um. I forget when. Oh, <laughs> I I was I was chilling out in Maine, 
And I just texted my sister, hey, I'm trans, just so you know. And she responded, um, okay, that's such a you way of coming out. Like, let me just state that. But also, like, did, do did you, you want to do that for a while? Was there like a build up? Y- yeah, yeah. So that's that's part of the thing. Like, I, I think it's with stuff like this. It with big things. Like this, it seems like it's some. It seems to other people like it's something that oh just suddenly happened, even though I will have been thinking about it for months before. I just haven't spoken about it or talked to anyone about it. So then it is very sudden for yeah. other people. It's like, hey, I'm trans by the way. Okay, <laughs> please use he/him pronouns. Much appreciated. Thank you. And so that so what what would change that day because you did mention how it was like a month months of build up yeah yeah was there like a moment that triggered you or you just felt like it that day it was it was kind of it was kind of just a moment of okay yeah this I need to just come out with this because I I had been. I had been watching just lots of videos of people just talking about their own experiences with realizing that they're trans. And I've also, I had talked with friends of mine who are trans and they just told me their experiences. So it's not like anyone trying to, I don't know what the Mm -hmm. people, the transphobic people say like brainwash or whatever i don't know it wasn't like that or anything it was just me hearing other people's perspectives and journeys and kind of seeing oh yeah i can really relate and also me realizing so another big factor Mm -hmm. for me was that there's gender identity Mm -hmm. which is like correlates with pronouns and stuff but also gender expression which is like how you just express yourself and part of part of that is I really like gender bending fashion so I like to wear what's considered more masculine clothes and I also like to wear what's considered more feminine clothes I enjoy wearing both but so that was confusing to me because I'm like okay but I do like wearing more feminine clothes so doesn't that mean i'm just still a girl like okay like that mm-hmm. that yeah, doesn't that, really... that, that's a dilemma right yeah yeah like, but you, then you don't know because you, you you're figuring it out too and yeah you know you feel like there's it could it, it's like a slippery slope it could go either way right yeah and that will probably make the final decision so much harder too right yeah but you felt like you had to do something yeah, because I kind of, I also, a big, a big, which this kind of seems like an obvious thought to have, um, and not a thought that you would have after a like, year or whatever, but just mm. thinking, okay, if I was born assigned male at birth, would I... Go the other way. Yeah, would I feel like I wasn't male? And I just immediately thought, 
No, if I was born male at birth, then I'd just be vibing. I'd be chilling out, you know, <laughs> having a great little life, which, I mean, I'm having a great life. Don't get me wrong. But so then that was kind of a moment of realization. Uh, yeah, that kind of that's kind of something that's pretty telling. So that was the moment when you realized that you had to yeah, take over that. And that's very interesting. So um, what challenges do you face on a so not like a daily basis, but what challenges have you faced after mm-hmm. you made this decision? And what were, I mean, your family is definitely very supportive. Yeah. You can tell like the, so that's like a first thing, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people had to deal with parents, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. you, you that doesn't seem like an issue for you. But what was, what were some big challenges you had to face and encounter? I'd, I'd say mostly challenges just around people misgendering me. Uh, stuff like that that's kind of mm-hmm. always a pleasure <laughs> uh, and also stuff around like just being very aware of things like how my voice sounds like that's something that I'm I can be now I'm very aware of it right now now that I thought of it <laughs> <laughs> and you can be listening yeah. to it too yeah, because especially since when I'm, I find that when I'm happier, my voice gets higher, but mm-hmm. then I realize how my voice is high mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. sounds, oh, it sounds so girly or whatever, meh, mm-hmm. stereotypes. And so mm-hmm. then I get really in my head about that and very just like lots of gender dysphoria, like just very focused on. And hyper fixated on how my voice sounds or mm. just stuff like that and how I look like do I look enough like a guy mm-hmm. and just stuff like that in general so it's sort of always in your um subconscious that yeah you, you have to do on the daily basis like yeah exactly. ha- but personally have you dealt with any like you know big moments of you know challenges or not 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 really not really. So, I mean, that's a great thing, though. Yeah, I wouldn't say nothing, like, too big. Like, I haven't been, no, like, bullied because of my gender, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, I'm very fortunate to yeah, because, be where I am, yeah, you know? Yeah, because I feel like our school is definitely very um, open and yeah. accepting. Yeah. And, and I've also found most of the people who aren't, necessarily are it's more that they just haven't been educated it's not that they're like oh no you you shouldn't exist or whatever it's more that they just simply haven't been educated and being in this environment i think they are being educated not sitting in your shoes Mm -hmm. i think that's the most important thing Mm -hmm. i think people just well, like understanding like empathy, like how mm-hmm. does that come from? Empathy comes from sitting in another person's shoes and then thinking of feeling what they would feel. Mm-hmm. And definitely w- just talking to you and hearing your experience, I can definitely feel, feel that mm-hmm. and understand how this is not, it's not like, it's not like a, a choice in some sense. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. You didn't choose to, to be this way yeah. and you probably didn't want to be this way in, in some <laughs> no. sense either like you you probably don't want to also go through this like the the challenges and like the 
the um like the pressure and the daily you know confrontation and all that yeah but you made a very bold decision to do yeah. it and it that that's respectable and that's commendable thank you you know what i'm saying yeah there's lots of people who've gone through life who've like known this stuff but just like suppressed it down and stuff and i think a big thing also is they're just now are starting to be people who have lived long enough so that there are older people where like our generation can well our generation will also probably be that generation or at least i'm hoping um that will have survived long enough and not been murdered or whatever for Mm. being trans and so then younger generations will be able to see oh Mm -hmm. that person's trans look at them they've lived a life i Mm -hmm. can do that too Mm -hmm. definitely i think that's so so important that's very important and what do you think as a society we could still do better to like be more accepting killing trans people i mean that's a that's a big one. <laughs> I mean, I also think just it's just it's it's not really people's business. Like it's not really affecting other people. I feel like a huge thing when it comes to like gender and sexuality is there are these people who are policing it all when it's really not affecting them. Like Mm. okay if if you're all oh you like trans people know they're just confused all that stuff they're not really hurting you like it's their life it's not your life so i feel like just kind of realizing that (laughs) yeah no definitely i i totally agree with you like people no it's I feel like this, we put a lot of labels on other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you are sort of, once people, like a lot of people like to, you know, label, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, he's part of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. So then they look you with a different eye. Mm-hmm. But then that's not how it should work because mm-hmm. you're you. Yeah. You are still, you know, you're, you're, you're a patent. And then it's just like, yes, you had to deal with this. Yes, gender identity could be a big thing that you show up, but you're still human and yeah. they're still human and we still have personalities who have interests who have, mm-hmm. you know, like gender identity. It's just like an outside superficial thing. Well, they, I mean, it's not superficial. It's very important, but it's just like it, it can't define you. Yeah, like it's something where it really just it just doesn't involve other people. It really doesn't. I mean, it only involves them in a sense of, oh, can you please respect my pronouns and can you please not harass me or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, definitely. That'd be preferred. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, sort of, I mean, we've covered a lot today from jumping yeah. from, <laughs> <laughs> but I sort of do, you, I sort of want to come back to the point of um, you, you deciding on med leave and depression i feel like that's that's like some of the biggest things and biggest people can can or people can relate Mm. to the experience and so what would you say how did you step out of depression and how and if you can say something to others like 
what would you advise them to do? How, how did you overcome that um, challenge of going on a med leave and, and making back here and you're still happy and you living your life, you know? Yeah, yeah. I would definitely say one of the biggest helps is it's, it's like journaling. It's not journaling. It's, it's I call it a DBT tracker. So mm. basically every day you write down like, okay, uh, what did I do for exercise? What did I do for eating? Like what were my eating habits? Did I eat three meals? Like kind of what type of sleep did I get? So the crucial things that you need to fulfill. Yeah. Yeah. Like the basic essentials Mm -hmm. of what you need to be looking at. And then also what were my emotions like on a scale of one to five, like, Five being very strong, one being mm-hmm. not really that strong for anger, happiness, uh, guilt, um, like anxiety, mm-hmm. stuff like that, sadness. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of look and you can find patterns mm-hmm. and just being aware of it mm-hmm. and also tracking stuff like oh, I was having lots of bad thoughts today or I wasn't having lots of bad thoughts today or, oh, these are things that I did and it helped. Just keeping track of that stuff because it often can, if you start to slip into a depressive episode, that can seem very quick and it can happen very quickly. But when you're keeping track of this stuff, you can catch it before it happens. Like once you get into a habit of it, you can see, oh, I've been really sad for a while now, and I haven't been exercising at all, or I've been eating like one meal a day. Maybe I should change that. Maybe that could be factoring into it. And mm-hmm. it just makes you more aware of what's going on mm-hmm. because everyone's so busy. It's really difficult to be aware of things even though it's just being aware of your own life and what you're doing that's an absolutely great point because self-awareness is absolutely essential Mm. and keeping a journal is 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 very simple but it's so effective yeah because you you are you know you you track yourself and and you take time out of the day to Mm -hmm. think yeah it's very it can be very calming and reflective yeah Definitely. Yeah. I, I and it also to, yeah. can be a moment where you can be like, oh, this great thing happened today. Oh, this like moments of gratitude looking. Yeah. That's and you remember it. Shown to be very good and it's for your happiness. correlated yeah. with positive mental health. Yeah, gratitude exactly. journal is extremely important. Um, that's perfect. I think it's time for the final sector. It's uh I usually at the end of um, podcast, I'll ask you three final questions. Okay. The final three. No pressure. No pressure. None. Um, so the first question is, what do you think the bigger picture of life is? I'd say, honestly, it's just to be happy and be happy, like find happiness and do things that give you joy with the little time that you have mm-hmm. on this planet because you don't no one really knows what comes after death or what death brings i mean 
everyone has opinions, I guess. Yeah, but, um, so just try and be as happy as you can and try and use your time wisely. And as long as you aren't hurting anyone or mm-hmm. like just continue doing what makes you happy. Definitely. That's a great point. And also I saw this thing where it was like dogs have such little, like their lives are much shorter, like their lifespan is much shorter than human lifespans because when dogs come in the world, they know their purpose. They know what they're doing. They're walking around. They're having fun, you know. (laughs) Meanwhile, humans, they take up all their lives trying to figure out what their purpose is and then... Often they, if they do figure it out, it's pretty late in the game. Mm. So just try and figure out what makes you happy as soon as you can. What makes you happy? Or are mm. you still in the process of figuring still that out? Still in the process of figuring that out. I'd say That's spending time may s- mostly, though, with Journal. people I love. Yeah. Journaling, too. That can be <laughs> helpful, yes. Yeah, and also with people you love. That's so important. Yeah. Second question, what are some non-negotiable values that you have for your living and for Mm. a community? Uh, This is kind of a, I don't know, cheesy one, but (laughs) knowledge is power. It is Mm. a gift. Like, learning is such a gift. Mm. And I think it can be very undervalued. And I think it's just really important. And also just be kind be kind to people. That's you never point. know what someone else is going through. That's something that I really learned here. You never know what someone else is going through. So just always try and be kind to them because they also might not know what you're going through. So exactly, just be aware of that. That's great point right there. And the last question for you, if there's one thing you can say to a younger version of yourself, what would it be? go outside and play (laughs) i was i was a workaholic at such a young age yeah oh my god really yeah i was like like in fifth grade i was like counting my grades and stuff and like when i was in eighth grade in the in the er i was studying for this test wow that's crazy (laughs) yeah i i I was a very big workaholic workaholic. (laughs) yeah yeah interesting so go have fun go have fun yeah that's so important (laughs) do what you love hey love it thank you for coming to the podcast today and sharing all these sharing all these no it could be very i really appreciate it i mean sharing all these like deep stories and touching stories i mean it 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 takes a lot of courage for you to step out and and be open so open about it thanks yeah i hope it helps people or at least gives people something to listen to in between their music listenings (laughs) definitely and i mean it's it's definitely an empowering journey too and i've learned a lot from you sitting here today anyways um for listeners thank you all so much for listening and i'll see you in the next episode bye-bye